Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the DCU Soccer Podcast. I'm back with my co-host. Hey, what's up? This is Daniel Wise. How are you doing? Yeah, so we're back. We're going to talk about the 1999 uh, DC United MLS Cup winning season. Um, before that, we have some introductory stuff. Uh, I'm still stuck at home. Um, I think you are, too. I'm still stuck at home, but, you know, uh, I think I've said this before, but not a whole lot's changed. I've always been more, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, hermit lifestyle, you know, I'm more of the outgoing type, but, you know, I still, you know, prefer staying inside most times. So, you know, this is just kind of a a pretty, pretty much business as usual as far as, you know, my daily routine goes, but, you know, I'm still, still doing uh, my weight loss and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, down about 70 pounds, um, this year. So, you know, doing really good with that. And, you know, a lot of it is just, uh, making sure that like I'm eating at very set intervals. And then, um, you know, if I'm doing any type of type of workouts, I'm not going to gyms or anything like that. I'm usually just walking a couple miles, uh, either at this empty mall that we have across town or just outside, um, to downtown and back uh just because this past week it's just been super gorgeous outside so uh you know so you know i've been keeping on with this with this podcast and then uh with that and then you know recently i've gotten back into strategy video games because i started listening to this uh new podcast that i'll save for the shout outs but you know i've been kind of getting back into the those because i don't know just with uh, the life that I had before this, I didn't have a whole lot of time to dedicate to games like StarCraft II or Civilization VI. So that's pretty much, uh, you know, kind of the hobby that I've picked up, uh, you know, aside from everything else. How about you? Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think you know, it's it's kind of weird uh, just being at home for me, uh, like literally 24-7. Uh, but I mean, I found it, uh, pretty nice to be able to focus on some things that, you know, I either haven't done in a long, long time or like haven't been able to focus on as much, uh, finding myself with a lot more free time. So been working on like side projects, uh, like I, I write software, so doing some of that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, it feels like, you know, it's a little more stressful overall because, of the whole pandemic thing, but I have found it uh, useful to, to be able to get a lot more done and a lot more, uh, you know, learning and creating and stuff like that out, um, which has been really, really, really nice and uh, kind of helps with the stress, I think. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, interesting, you know, kind of bringing that up, uh, you know, so you kind of had a very stressful uh, time, the you know, uh, last month. And so, you know, what have you really been working on to kind of uh, keep that in check or, you know, keep keep perspective or, or you know, keep the stress levels down uh, during these these very uncertain times? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I I pretty much so like as a as a profession, I, I write uh, mobile apps. That's like kind of my my thing, um, along with other like software stuff. So um, I have a few of my own mobile apps that I publish. Uh, on the side, so like in my free time, I've been able to update them or create new ones or anything like that. Uh, so that's been like you know 90% of any time that I'm doing stuff outside of uh, some of the other stuff that I've been able to do. But yeah, and uh, if anyone's interested, I'll, I'll also link them in the the show notes. Um, but you know, it's been a long time since I've been able to spend you know a couple hours every day on on stuff that I'm really passionate about uh, versus, you know, coming home from work, just being exhausted from travel and work day and socializing and then just wanting to pass out. Right. So, yeah, it's been really, really nice um, to be able to get that extra time. Yeah, I guess, you know, for for me, it's been a little bit different uh, living in D.C. uh, Gosh, you know, since probably. 2016 it's probably been one thing after another uh in in terms of sort of like the overall atmosphere of that town when i was living there there was you know just because of 
you know, sort of administrative changes, uh, you know, a, a, a definite cloud kind of came over that town and just kind of working there kind of started to suck. And just like, you know, uh, it just became a lot, you know. So, you know, one of the things that's been good about being back here in uh, South Dakota is that Honestly, I've been given the opportunity to just really like slow down and breathe for for a period here. And, you know, uh, it's just yeah, that's that's sort of what I've been able to do is just to sort of reassess some things, uh, find out, you know, what's important to me, uh, what I want to do sort of going forward and, and kind of reflecting on, you know, uh, what, you know, what things sort of brought me to this point and, and, you know, what I can, you know, do differently going forward, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a good time to reflect on a lot of stuff and uh, also appreciate uh, what I do have and sort of like, you know, new opportunities that'll be coming down the pipe. So I'm just, you know, super excited for, you know, once all this lifts, like where, you know, things will be in a very different place, but I, I think uh, personally I'll be more rejuvenated coming back out into the world once once uh, people start going back out into the world. So, uh, you know, dealing with this crisis, you know, let's let's hop in the time machine real quick, Ken. And, you know, let's let's set that dial for 1999. It was a different time where people were stressed out about a whole different thing. There was this thing called the Y2K bug. I was a fresh-faced, angsty 13-year-old. Uh, how old were you in 99? So I would have been five. Uh, five, nice. Yeah. So I, what, do you remember anything from that time? Uh, a little bit, yeah. No, I, I remember. I remember uh, some of DC United being on, uh, not specific moments or anything like that, but I remember being on uh, with my dad watching it and stuff. Uh, so I, you know, I kind of remember that. I kind of remember some of the, uh, stuff he would buy, you know, the memorabilia or whatever he would buy. I guess at that point it wasn't memorabilia, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it was just straight up merch. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Yeah. Just merch. So, um, you know, I, I remember some of that stuff from, from then, but, but yeah. That's super rad. Who was like, who was your dad super into, you know, from those like great, you know, sort of early squads, I guess, I guess the, the dynastic squads as, as we could probably say at this point, uh, of DC United. Yeah. My dad really, really liked, uh, Jaime Moreno and, and Marco Echeverri, um, especially in, in those early times. And then obviously, uh, Jaime kind of stayed, stayed a, a long time. Um, but those were those were kind of the the main the main two that I remember him talking about the most. Um, and then and then a lot of Ben Olsen, um, kind of in the later years, past this season maybe, um, which could have just been a result of me remembering more. But but those are definitely like some of his uh, favorites. And this is great because this is the point where we really get to start talking about Ben Olsen because uh, he had just come and and joined the squad in 1998 but before we get to that you know let's let's look at you know sort of the landscape of 1999 so this is the year when who wants to be a millionaire premiered and became just a gigantic you know gargantuan event for tv i remember uh watching that you know every week with with my dad and um you know just really enjoying that show and then uh you know you had TL, T, total request live on mtv and carson daly uh, you know, introducing Christina Aguilera and corn videos. And like, you know, man, when I started listening to corn, that was when I really like found myself during that time. And boy, I'm glad that that version of me stayed back in that that era. But uh, it was also the time when the Euro was first introduced. Uh, the first ever episode of SpongeBob SquarePants premiered. And then George W. Bush announced his campaign for presidency. So a lot of stuff happening. Uh, it was, it was, and I, I particularly remember, you know, sort of uh, my, that period, it was a lot of like those great old Blizzard games came out. So you had Starcraft and Diablo was going strong around that time. Uh, and then Valve came out with Half-Life and uh, Counter-Strike, the mod 
came out that year as well. So like a lot of what 1990 or 1999 is, is like kind of sentimental. When I look back at it, I was like, yeah, 13 years old. That's, that's a lot of what I was doing was, uh, you know, being super into the matrix and, you know, industrial goth music and stuff like that. So, uh, that was, it was, a, it was a special, but confusing time for me. Uh, but you know, Getting away from that, let's let's talk DC United. So, you know, where do we want to start off at this point? Yeah, yeah, no, let's uh, let's start talking about maybe uh, their coach for this season. Do you want to go a little mm-hmm. bit into that and kind of the situation, and I can kind of uh, expand on it? Right. So we, uh, you know, Bruce Arena, he came in as as the coach and uh, led that team to. Uh, just some incredible seasons, the first four seasons. I mean, DC United was in the final every single one of those years. And so uh, this was uh, coming off where, where Bruce decided that he wanted to coach the men's national team. And so what DC opted for was a, a, a special kind of, kind of a, a flying Dutchman in his own right uh, from Amsterdam. Uh, Thomas Rongen uh, came in, and he was one of the inaugural coaches in M- MLS, uh, coaching the Tampa Bay Mutiny. And if you remember, uh, or I guess for our listeners, if you remember, you know, we were kind of talking about uh, those first couple of years. Uh, Tampa Bay was a pretty strong team, and so, uh, and especially teams that met up with DC United in the playoffs and gave them some pretty decent games, uh, but. He would coach New England from 97 to and 98 and then uh, came to D.C. in 99. Uh, and then he would coach there until 2001, uh, at which he would be replaced with uh, Ray Hudson. So what, you know, what else can you tell us about Thomas Rongen of this time? Uh, I think one thing that's uh, interesting, uh, not necessarily about uh, Rongen himself, but but that uh, that era, I guess, kind of talking a little bit more about you know the '99 and and a couple years after, like that Bruce Arena men's national team was was pretty good, and that kind of you know cemented Arena himself as you know one of the best coaches um, in the national team history at this point. As we look back, um, obviously also at at multiple MLS stops, but you know think that's kind of really cool that Arena had you know been at DC, then, then, uh, had so much success at the national team level too. Uh, so Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting to point out as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Rongen is an interesting story in in and in and of himself where, uh, you know, he was, is a, a, uh, or he was born, um, in the Netherlands, but spent most of his playing and coaching time over in the United States. Uh, he was uh, kind of a mainstay in the NASL uh, days uh, back with the Los Angeles Aztecs and the Washington Diplomats, and I think a couple teams as well, but then um, stayed here in America uh, and has coached uh, a whole bunch of MLS teams. So, you know, very, very interesting, you know, how uh, someone just kind of really embraces uh, the sport here in America, or, you know, really kind of, uh, did, did I think, I think did his own, uh, in, in sort of, um, bringing along the, the sport here and, and showing, uh, you know, success here in the States. So, you know, and I think, you know, at the end of this 99 season, uh, I think that was definitely a, a great sort of, uh, capstone, uh, to his time here, winning this uh, trophy with DC United. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, it's kind of cool because, like, um, you don't typically see uh, teams with with a new head coach uh, win win the you know cup or title. Uh, that's kind of an interesting point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, do we also want to talk about maybe some of the players that you know we didn't we didn't talk about the '98 season. Um, because it was not a, a championship season, but we did, uh, you know, ha- have a couple uh, players come in or, or roster changes. Did you want to go over some of those uh, changes? 
Yeah, so uh, a a little known um, <laughs> rookie came in uh, in 1998. Uh, ben Olsen, uh, current coach of DC United, came in, uh, won or earned uh, Rookie of the Year honors in 98, uh, graduated from UVA, and uh, was part of uh, this Project 40 uh, sort of group of players that uh, were brought in and, you know, allocated to MLS, a uh, really talented group. And he really sort of, uh, I, th- I think, yeah, he just really made a mark here in D.C. So he won uh, Rookie of the Year honors in 98. Uh, and then in 99, uh, had, had a, made a great impact on the season and then ended up as the man of the match for D.C. United in that final against L.A., uh, you know, one of the things that uh, the commentators were really uh, sort of pressing on uh, during the match when I rewatched it today was uh, how how physical Ben was. Uh, you know, they were saying, you know, wherever there was a, a scrap happening, uh, you could put money on it that that Ben was going to be in the middle of it. And uh, he was just, uh, you know, this is. I, th- I think this is actually my first time actually seeing him in action. Uh, so having this chance to kind of see him work uh, was just really impressive. And so, um, you know, gosh, you see you see him during this time as an incredibly focused player. And he really brought that over from his playing days to his coaching days because he's still that guy. Uh, it was hilarious as I was watching the game. Uh, he had just scored uh, the second goal for DC to go or to basically cement their win against Los Angeles. And so uh, the reporter is asking him, you know, uh, you know, how does it feel? I bet, you know, how does it feel to get that goal and, and have this two goal lead against LA? And he's looking off in the distance with this look on his face, like he's about to murder 11 players. And he's like, yeah, it feels really good. And, uh, you know, we're ready to go back out in there, you know, or we're ready to go out in the second half and continue this on. And, you know, it's just hilarious because he's like, this feels really good. But, you know, uh, the words aren't exactly matching up with his expression. And so I took a screen cap of him, you know, of this is Ben Olsen happy. Uh, and, and really, that's just him. He's, he's just uh, an incredibly focused guy. Uh, so you saw, you know, you know, someone who was a, you know, a second year MLS player, uh, already in kind of like this veteran, uh, mentality. And that's just a a testament to him as, as a player and, and today as a coach too, uh, just, just, uh, you know, what they would say, a a consummate professional, that's who he was, uh, and is, uh, and then another addition was, uh, Roy Lasseter who was traded to uh, D.C. in 1998, uh, played two seasons in D.C., winning in 1999. Uh, he was also the team uh, leader in scoring uh, that season. And uh, another interesting uh, fact is that uh, he finished out his MLS career with 88 regular season goals, and he was uh, surpassed in 2004 by Jason Christ. So, uh, yeah, uh, really talented player can- coming in and uh, making an impact. Uh, they had just unbelievable players all around. But as you sort of alluded to, uh, this would be uh, short-lived uh, after this season um, because MLS was going to enforce a, a pretty stringent salary cap uh, the following season. In fact, another thing I'll kind of press into is is how – things really were going to change for MLS in the year 2000. And there was a interesting thing that they were trying out in this game uh, in regards to uh, time tracking uh, for major league soccer games. And, and uh, I didn't realize it before, but, you know, they actually made a very significant or there was a very significant rule that came in in 96 and then they eventually phased out uh, in 2000. So, you know, I'll get into that later once we start talking to the game talking about the game proper uh what else can you tell us or what can you tell us uh as well about the 99 season overall 
Well, I mean, just to back up a little bit about Ben Olsen, I mean, uh, yeah. to, to your points, definitely that was always kind of his thing, the the gritty, the working hard and, and being physical. And you definitely kind of see that in uh, today in his player selection um, and, and pretty much everything as a coach. Um, and what he prefers and stuff. So yeah, I definitely think that's important. Uh, I'm glad you got to see the the game and 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 Olsen uh, at work. But yeah, definitely one of my uh, favorite players, definitely, and um, kind of why he he's on our Mount Rushmore, really. You know, he's just really, you know, really great player. But but also the way he played was you know so, so you know gritty and and hardworking and everything. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he he uh, he's now the coach, and um, that's been interesting. But you know, this goes back a long, long, long time. So uh, I definitely think that that's uh, that's awesome that we're kind of starting to see the the fruits of his um, playing as we go through the the history here. Um, but yeah, um, I actually am kind of interested uh, a little more in the rule changes that you were talking about. Uh, I know we can um, kind of talk about that and, and kind of how it shaped MLS for, you know, a good 10, 15, 20 years and, and how things were going to work and setting the league up for, for some of the stuff that was to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting because in certain ways they were – they were weaning some things off of kind of like the Americanization of soccer, uh, you know, particularly in how the flow of the game was presented. Uh, I think at this point they had pretty much done away with like the uh, ending ties with uh, or all all tie games with PKs. Uh, can you confirm that? I, 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 I'm kind of assuming at this point, but um, I think that was after. But yeah, was it after? OK. Uh, but I guess I guess just to kind of talk about uh, what they were doing is in 2000 they decided that they were going to uh, sort of change the way time was kept, uh, and so I didn't realize this until now. But games always counted down from 45 minutes per half uh, down to zero, and they would pretty much stop the game dead uh, once those 45 minutes were done, uh, and so. Uh, they decided that in 2000 they were going to switch to the European model of having time kept on the field by the referee. So this would mean uh, counting up from zero to 45 and then having the additional injury time accounted for uh, at the ref's discretion. So they were going to do that in 2000, but they decided for the MLS Cup final that they were going to essentially... Uh, implement this new rule. Uh, so they had the referee basically counting um, how they do in Europe. And so uh, with that, you know, happening, it sort of showed that the American version of the sport was going to start leaning towards the European model. But at the same time, bringing in some more kind of uh, American tradition or I guess sporting rules uh like you sort of said with a salary cap and so uh you had kind of like interesting uh sort of push and pull where you know it was adopting some aspects of the european style uh but at the same time keeping some very very american um rules within the sport so yeah just again these early years of major league soccer are just fascinating with how they were trying to essentially figure out the the rules of the game and how they were going to format the games themselves so you know just super interesting to see this all sort of shaping up and i mean you know i I think some people can probably make fun of it to a degree but like if you look back at england during you know the 1800s when soccer was kind of you know uh, because or it was a brand new sport. It was a clown car sport as far as you know. If you were to look at it tactically and overall with the rules, uh, it was a garbage fire back in those days. And so uh, you know, I, I think some people clown on MLS for some things there, but I have to uh, kind of pause and say, hey, during this time, it was a relatively new you know uh, sport here in America. Uh, so, you know, it's, a, it's just interesting to look at how those things were changing. 
Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, in terms of thing being a garbage fire, maybe the the current DC United would would have done pretty well um, then. Um, <laughs> in what way? Just because uh, the way they play, I guess. It just yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Well, uh, no, but I, one of the things that they pointed out was, uh, you know, particularly between the LA Galaxy and DC United. They were, it was a really hot rivalry because uh, you had LA, which was really good in the West, and DC that was really good in the East. And between, so, you know, while a limited history, they had totaled up between all the games that DC and LA had together up to that point. Uh, they had averaged nearly 30 fouls a game and 4.5 bookings. And then I think like, maybe something they they had a couple or you know maybe like a half a percentage point of like ejections or something like that but like it was a kind of a notoriously dirty uh rivalry at the time like the the two teams even at the end of this game uh almost came out into kind of like a, a brawl towards the end in the second half of of injury time uh things like nearly boiled over because uh you know Someone got chippy in the near the sidelines, and they just just about like went went at each other. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I did um, I do remember some of those uh, like not not necessarily this early, but but L.A. and D.C. being rivals, and and you kind of don't hear as much about it today, but but uh, definitely was pretty big back back then. Um, but yeah, in, in this year they had both uh, won on the road when they played each other too, so. Um, this MLS Cup game was set up pretty well with, with all these things considered. Uh, did you want to move into the MLS Cup uh, game in the playoffs? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so this took place uh, November 21st, 1999, and this was a sort of repeat of the 96 final uh, between L.A. and D.C. Uh, right. because this took place at Foxborough Stadium in Massachusetts. Of all places, uh, I have no idea why they went with this again, but they were—I guess—they were still trying to experiment with neutral grounds or whatever. Uh, but you know, in this sort of incarnation of the DC LA final, uh, LA didn't really have the excuse of bad weather to uh, you know kind of lean on in terms of you know the the results. So it was it was a pretty gorgeous day in Foxborough and. Uh, you know, both teams uh, came out, I mean, just just firing strong. Uh, and I think it was a an early injury to one of the L.A. Galaxy players. So Fraser uh, went out with a shoulder injury. And, you know, he was a, a strong, you know, leader on defense, on the best defense in MLS. Uh, so L.A. lost him very early in the match. I think it was about seven minutes in that he went down. And so uh, he was he was replaced. And, uh, you know, I think at that point, uh, L.A. was still trying to get after D.C., but uh, it would just be, you know, sort of a, a handful minutes after that when uh, Jaime Moreno would score the opening goal. And, you know, the thing about the, the two goals that DC scored in this game was that they were they were kind of, or at least the one that Moreno scored was pretty routine. Uh, however, the one that Ben Olsen would score uh, towards the end of the half uh, was kind of a, a comedy of errors uh, in a way. And, and this was sort of like a thing that was, that was kind of uncharacteristic of LA of the LA galaxy is that they were, um, you know, you had DC, if they, if they hadn't been the best uh, team winning the supporters shield, uh, it was going to be LA because I mean, they were uh, just, they were the strongest in the West. Uh, they were um, just a really well put together team. If you were talking about sort of two of the arguably best teams facing off against each other in the finals, this was it. Uh, and, and they were also coached by, uh, a very strong Ziggy Schmidt, Z Ziggy Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, and so they had a really strong coach in Ziggy Schmidt who was prolific 
in his college days. And so he was looking to get his championship in MLS. So you had a team that was coming in really organized, really hungry. But I think what sort of happened is that uh, they expended so much energy coming into this game uh, that DC was just sort of somehow able to outlast them. And that sort of became the story, both of them going really strong. And then by the end of it, DC, you know, they just had to kind of play, you know, I guess what they would call Benny ball these days, sitting back on defense in the second half. And then for LA, you know, the, the only player who is really still trying to make an impact or still trying to get things done in that second half was Colby Jones. And it just was not working out for them. So DC kind of uh, walked away with a, uh, you know, what what would be considered a pretty breezy uh, two two goals and and a win in this game. But that first half was something that they really had to scrape out, and uh, you know they just sort of showed that they were the more uh, physically imposing team in this match. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, and also, uh, I did notice that, that of course, Ben Olsen got, got booked in this game, um, yep. as well as uh, being a uh, man of the match. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, something I didn't know before, but but yeah. I mean, in this, there were five bookings in this game. So LA had two with uh, Kobe Jones and Roy Myers uh, both getting carded. Uh, and then for DC, it was Kerry Talley, Ben Olsen and Diego Senora, uh, all receiving yellows. So this just this kind of shows like both these teams were just ready to kill each other <laughs> at any time in this match. And uh, yeah, that just that just really showed how intense these two teams were. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And uh, like you mentioned a little bit before at the halftime show, there was uh, Christina Aguilera with um, Jeannie in a bottle as well. Yeah, uh, just just absolutely. This was this was 1999 as hell. Like this was um, just just looking back at it. It's I don't know. It, it, like I said, uh, it makes me feel a lot of things, you know, uh, in, in terms of a sentimentality, but also kind of a weird feeling as well, because, man, uh, I think between. 99 and probably 2008, I think, was like a cultural dark age here in America where everything uh, was just broed out like and, and kind of ridiculous. And, and uh, you know, like 99 was also that Woodstock con- concert as well. And you could say that sort of uh, if you if you know how that all turned out, that's sort of how I think of that whole time frame that I just explained right there. Uh, just just a gigantic fire out in the middle of nowhere. And so <laughs> that was that was 1999. And, and yeah, it was just, it was just hilarious kind of looking back at this. I, I actually do want to uh, uh, point out that I, I was sort of uh, tripped up when I was watching this game. So uh, another player that, um, you know, kind of like, a, I, I think, a little known player but uh actually was really surprising to me in a couple regards uh during this match was carlos lamosa who was a uh immigrant from colombia and interesting about his story is that uh he was working at the world trade center when it was attacked by terrorists except it was the first attack in 1993 uh so then i was sort of uh when i heard them talk the uh, the commentators talking about him i was kind of like they were talking about this tragedy at the world trade center i'm like wait what i was like oh no that was the 1993 like car bombing that happened so uh you know it was it was kind of one thing interesting about sort of like his story and how he actually got away from uh, that the building when it happened uh, because he was out on a lunch break uh, of all things. So he was spared from, crazy, yeah. from that tragedy and then eventually uh, found himself uh, playing MLS soccer. So a uh, wonderful story about that, uh, you know, sort of a, a serendipity. But then um, also being a guy who, uh, if, you, if you look back at this game, you know, you have Ben Olsen being named a lot uh, as, as sort of like an impact player. But Carlos as well, 
also had this mean streak in him, and he was scrapping it up with pretty much everyone during this game. So little shout out to him, uh, you know, and I think especially a player who often uh, is probably either forgotten or is just not known in sort of like the pantheon of of uh, DC United. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, great uh, call outs there. Um, so yeah, did you, uh, ready for the, um, CONCACAF Champions League run? Yeah, uh, so, you know, I think, I think just, just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the early years of, you know, these CONCACAF matchups, uh, kind of tell a lot about, you know, as, as great as DC United was, uh, I, I think the best teams of MLS were still sort of a step short of Liga MX or or of the you know the those those Central American uh, teams. So you know what what can you what can you tell me about uh, the Concacaf Champions Cup or, or what did you pick up as you were uh, sort of looking through uh, you know the table and and then the matchups. Well, I think the the main thing um, kind of similar to what you said is that yeah like they're still behind those. Um, those big teams, right? But I was kind of impressed, again, like, we, we actually talked about this on another episode recently, but, like, I was impressed by how far a lot of these MLS teams did get. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I feel like, you know, if you did the math, we we would have, um, uh, we being the MLS teams, been, done better then than, than we do now. Yeah, and, and sort of, like, the interesting thing there is that uh, with the third-place game, uh, it ended tied 2-2, and they just kind of left it at that. So they shared third place uh, between Chicago Fire and DC United. It was just like, yeah, game's over. This is done. And you you both have it. So whatever. Uh, so I just thought that was kind of funny that there was no kind of like true result uh, for for that position. But uh, yeah, it was uh, Coxa. Uh, that was, that's who ended up winning and they were, uh, a Liga Mecca's team. Um, and they beat, uh, Costa Rican side. I think, I think we're, we're still in a period where I think, I don't know, there's been talk lately about, uh, major league soccer and Liga Mecca's combined. I mean, it's been tried before, like, you know, they've, they've tried to do kind of like a super Liga type of format. They've tried to do something to kind of like combine, you know, the competitions between major league soccer and Liga MX and, and seeing how that all shapes up. Uh, but, you know, what are your thoughts? Is, is Mexico still sort of, can you, could you still say like, it's still leagues ahead of where major league soccer is or, or have that gap, uh shrank you know sort of since that time you know in the in the course of 21 years you know of of, you know sort of like 1999 to 2020 uh has the gap shortened has it remained where it is you know how do you how do you see uh major league soccer in comparison to the mexican league yeah, yeah, no. Um, I definitely think we're, we're farther behind. Um, if, if you look at, you know, stats and, you know, uh, payroll and stuff like that, um, it, it's hard to say that we're, we're close at all. I mean, I would say, you know, Mexico, uh, their top division, the MX, is is a top 10 uh, league in the world. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I would say Major League Soccer is probably top, you know, 20, 25. Um, in terms of talent and and stuff like that, so the relative distance is 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 probably you know I don't know twenty thirty percent, but but there's a lot of uh, gaps there if you try to compare you know all the leagues in the world. So yeah, I mean it, it's really a if if that gap wants to be closed, they need to open up uh, more spending. That's the that's the only way to get there, um, and and that really means. Uh, two things. It means more, more at the high end, so so more of those designated players. Um, but but we also need those people coming off the bench at that high TAM level um, mm-hmm. or, or or low DP level too. So uh, yeah, we're we're pretty far off. I would say we're probably uh, on average, you know, uh, per team, probably at least 
if it, really simplistic terms probably, but but two or three TAM level players and, and a DP on average uh, away fr- from the uh, Liga MX. But you know th- they're going to go through some some rule changes here soon and and a domestic a domestic player rule. So you could see them slip a little bit. Um, but but that doesn't really help us either. If, if there's less competition and, and they're weaker, it doesn't make us stronger. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think the more competition we can get with them, uh, the better. I, I That's my personal opinion. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like that, but um, I think it's really important. And I think it's really important that uh, we have more competitions, but not just Mexico, but but also those other Central American sides to help them yeah. grow as well. But, but um, you know, it's, it's a different different setting, uh, different experience, but, but yeah, I mean, this idea that MLS is super close to Liga MX is just not really true. And, uh, you can see that reflected in the national teams too. It's, it's a good 20, 30% behind, I'd say. Yeah. Well, and yeah, if you did any sort of combination or I guess combining of the leagues where, you know, Jesus, what happens if you have, uh, I don't know, Cincinnati going up against Club America or Pumas or Monterey. It would be a, a bloodbath, to say the least. And, and, and say, you know, it'd be like one of those things where, like, you know, uh, would you want to see that twice in a, in a year or something like that, uh, that type of matchup? And I'm just kind of pointing out Cincinnati because they are, you know, so awful. But, you know, throw out any of the sort of, you know, uh, playoff missing you know or the teams who miss out on the playoffs in a, in major league soccer how they would match up against you know sort of like the the bigger clubs uh in in Liga MX it's, it's uh i mean it's not even close in that regard uh you know maybe they can match up closer to more of the bottom or mid table teams over there but uh, I, I mean at that point it's a sort of Again, you know, sort of like you're talking about a league that's so gargantuan, like at that point, you know, what does it matter? You know, it's kind of it's it's weird uh, because there's there's been some talk about or or speculation about it. But if you were to combine the two leagues, it would come out to a gigantic 54 squads uh, in sort of like a combined major league soccer and Liga MX Super League or whatever. Uh, That's. Completely ridiculous, especially if there was no promotion relegation. It was just a gigantic league. Uh, it makes no sense. And and you would see more MLS teams on that bottom side of the 54 than you'd see towards the top of that table. Yeah, yeah, no, I think um, you touched on an important point, too, where, like, the, the difference, uh, for the most part, between the uh, M- uh, MLS and, and Liga MX is, is on those extremes, right? Like, our worst teams are way worse, and uh, we have fewer of those really, really top teams. So, like, our middle is kind of, you know, it's it's a little bit uh, comparable. Um, you have to shift a little bit because of the number of teams and, and the distribution weirdness, but... But it's really, you know, pulling that the bottom up would help a lot uh, of MLS, mm-hmm. and and solidifying that 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 top side too with a little bit more to kind of, uh, you know, pull in that distribution if if you're thinking about it, um, and reverse flatten the curve, I guess <laughs> you yeah. might say, right, uh, right, uh, a little bit, um, or or different distributions m- might work too, but. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty far. Yeah, you know, Tigres, Monterey, America, Leon, you know, all, all these teams are going to crush almost yeah. every team. And, and not, not, you know, maybe not LAFC and Atlanta or whatever, but but pretty much else, those are better teams that, than, than anyone else in MLS. Um, yeah, and I, I say that as someone also knowing, like, DC United would be at that bottom end of that table. At least, you know, with with our current iterations, you know, all respect in the world to to Ben and what he's trying to work with with this squad. But boy, uh, considering the opening that we had, uh, it's just, you know, uh, basically we had a we lucked out with one of with our second game against uh, Inter Miami uh, that that could have gone a completely different way. And it was really looking that way uh, towards the beginning of the game. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I think we're good 
as as far as you know we don't need to to rush to try to combine things or anything like that because i mean at that point if you're talking 50 14 and only 16 to a, a playoff well i think about 14 of those teams would be liga mecca's teams that's just sort of how how i see that maybe yeah, yeah, the combined league stuff, I mean, a lot of stuff would have to change before that, you know, so I'm not too worried or, or really considering too much about it uh, yeah. at this moment, because I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, weirder things have happened. Uh, weirder things inside of MLS have happened. So, um, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, so that was that was sort of a look back at at 1999. Um, you know, anything else you want to kind of point out or or anything you think we missed uh sort of covering this it's really tough to kind of like cover a whole year within an hour but is there did we pretty yeah. much cover everything that you saw uh looking looking at the sheet yeah yeah no i mean it, it yeah like you said it's it's really hard to get uh as much as you would want to talk about in in uh under an hour so you kind of have to pick the the top things there but yeah i think we did did a pretty good job um so yeah. yeah so anyways uh to close it out is there anything you uh came across or anything you wanted to sort of talk about uh in these these final minutes of the episode well i think we can move on to uh our um shout outs or yeah. whatever did you want to go first yeah so i have one uh that's that's soccer related and one that's that's uh sort of outside the realm but they had they uh, talked about some very sports related things uh, this week that I thought was really interesting. So sort of for the first shout out, uh, I want to give a big shout out to Tried and True, the DC United post game podcast. Uh, they've been having a rough go, you know, lately with no uh, DC United games going on. But they had a recent episode where they talked about what we just talked about with the. Uh, you know, sort of speculation of of the Mexican and uh, American leagues uh, combining together. Uh, you know, and and they had a, a pretty lengthy debate about that recently. So uh, they are a group to check out. Uh, look up Tried and True uh, on on your favorite podcatcher, and then it is Tried and True DCU on Twitter. And then the other shout out I want to give off uh, is. Um, to this podcast I recently picked up called Three Moves Ahead. And this is kind of going off what I was talking about earlier, getting back into strategy video games is uh, Three Moves Ahead is essentially a podcast that talks about just that. You know, they, they either pick out a singular topic about, you know, sort of game design or they'll talk about a singular game and they'll really like get into the weeds uh, uh, about whatever game or topic they're talking about. And it's hosted by Rob Zachney, who's one of my favorite guys, you know, who talks about video games. And uh, he's, uh, I think he's he's a editor over at Waypoint. And so, uh, you know, he's he's a really good podcaster and I really like his show. And they talked this week about how sort of different leagues have been trying to deal with this COVID-19 thing and and how, you know, Either TV stations have been running like simulations using uh, MLB the show. And so like I think there's been a station over in Chicago playing Cubs games just on this PlayStation 4 game. Uh, and, and they just sort of run it as, you know, sort of the season was supposed to go. They just show the game on the days they were supposed to have games. And it's kind of this weird disconnect where like, yes, this game's technically happening but there's no like storylines connected to it. They, so they thought it was really weird, you know? In, in fact, like if, if they go this route, like some of these like either station people or journalists are gonna have to find this like inner Dungeons and Dragons nerd and like create storylines from this stuff. Cause that's what like really holds people into sports is that type of angle. Uh, and then they also talked about, you know, FIFA and, and what's been going on uh with with it and how how it's been handled during this whole virus uh situation as well and so it's just a really interesting <laughs> episode where they kind of get into the weeds about what different leagues have been doing uh with with simulation sports so it's it's a always a fascinating listen and that show is just highly recommended 
Cool. Yeah. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, I wanted to do this is a little bit bigger than, than my normal shout outs, but uh, it's a podcast that I've been listening to for a while called the MLS UK show. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of gives gives a perspective from the UK, which I again, like I've, I mentioned before, but I kind of find really fun and interesting. Um, and so, yeah, they have a great show. They're on Twitter uh, at MLS UK show. Um, and I'll also link to their, their site and, and other stuff in the show notes. So, um, yeah, I really enjoy their, their stuff. Yeah, no, that's a great show. And I, you know, a good friend of ours, uh, James at DC United Kingdom, you know, he's, he's part of that MLS UK network. And so, uh, just huge, huge plaudits to them for, for really, you know, kind of embracing, our style of soccer over here in America and, and trying to sort of ingratiate it to, you know, the, a UK audience. So I just think that's, that's super cool that they've really like taken up the mantle. Uh, so, so much appreciated from those guys. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think that'll uh, wrap this up. Um, yes. So if you would like, please leave a rating uh, on uh, iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Um, that'd be great. Uh, I think we promise that, you know, if you write a review and it's, you know, not super obnoxious, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and read it on, on the podcast. I haven't checked them in a while, but, but yeah, leave one and, and we'll, we'll shout it out on the show. Um, you can find me on Twitter at DCU underscore soccer. Uh, Daniel, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me mostly on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm at S Dakota Soccer. Uh, and yeah, you know, as far as like reviews go, that's you know we'll definitely read those out. And yeah, if anyone has any questions, and I think particular particularly on my end, uh, I've been trying to uh, get newcomers into the sport, so I love kind of uh, helping people understand the sport. Uh, you know, especially if they're uh, fresh to it, you know, uh, I'm the type of person who likes taking any and all questions, you know, whether it's about the rules or, uh, you know, the business side of things or whatever, how everything works. Uh, I really love discussing that stuff. So that's where you can find me and, and definitely, uh, drop those questions into my DMS and I, I'll be happy to talk, talk shop. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's it for, um, uh, today, uh, also special shout out to Ben Olsen's birthday. I think, I don't know if we mentioned it, but, yeah. uh, it is his birthday. So that's kind of fun, uh, especially on this episode where we kind of talked a lot about him, um, and his, uh, early impact, uh, starting out. Um, and yeah, we'll be back with a 2004 episode soon. So yeah, we'll see you then. Take it easy.